poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. Today is Friday, which means it's a philosophical day, and I'm joined by my co-host, Duncan Palamortis. Duncan, how are you doing, sir? Good, good, good. Very well. I just realized I have this cable, and I was like, what is happening on my shirt? Where is like, It feels like it's coming from the ether here, so for those of you who... Uh, are you sure so, it's not uh, just a tail? Maybe, maybe it's my tail, you know, you know, it's like, <laughs> you are Greek, maybe Greek people just have very skinny tails. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's actually, yeah, very, very possible, very possible. So, uh, but uh, I, I don't seem to be able to resolve this, this cable situation. But anyway, I'm doing, I'm doing really well. How about yourself, uh, Brad? How's life? Can't complain about to go on a retreat with a bunch of my wolves for a few days. So pretty pumped about that. Um, also going to probably play another poker tournament. I think I may have forgotten how painful the last one was. And so I'm sorry for you. Yeah. I, I feel excited, which just makes me feel sad about how short-sighted I am. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. It's, it's a cycle of tournaments, right? I mean, it's like, oh, I'm so pumped about this tournament. And then why did I play this tournament again? And then I'm so pumped with this, tu- this next tournament. Why did I yeah, play like, tournament? <laughs> I'm super pumped until I get dealt the first hand. And right. I'm like, wait, oh my God. How did this happen again? <laughs> they lured me. Yeah. <laughs> I fell into this trap again. What, what yeah. is wrong with me? I know. I know. Um, what's on, what's on the agenda today? So today we're thinking about exploring the idea of uh, going broke uh, in poker, uh, the dangers of going broke, uh, the dangers of um, you know um, busting our bankroll, and um, how we can we can avoid it. Uh, is it inevitable? Things like that. We're going to try to figure out what, what sure. we can do. Sure. Where do you want to start at? Uh, yeah. So here, here is the I guess one question to ask is. How do we define going broke, really? Like, what does it mean to go broke? Um, so, like, my personal definition would be that you're out of action. Like, that that to me is like you're broke. You have no um, people. You have no, like, potential backers. You have no friends that can uh, provide you with liquidity. Basically, mm-hmm. you're just out of the game, right? Like, mm-hmm. you, you just can't play poker. Um and the reason why I would say that instead of like bank account zero, I think that like mm-hmm. that's so that's such a strange thing because like you can own a house and be in debt mm-hmm. and like how, how do you quantify exactly like what zero right. is there? But for me, like I come up through the Mike Caro school of thought mm-hmm. where like the, uh, you know, the, the person that makes their money through printing things, um, a poker player's resource that we use is money. And right. when we are not able to get in action, that means that 
we're broke. I mean, that, that means that like we've lost our job. We are unemployed. I guess that's another way of putting it, like going unemployed basically. Right. So, so would you say it's uh, similar to, to a company that, uh, you know, cannot borrow anymore, right? I mean, like a company that is a bankrupt and it's like, there's nothing we can do. We, we have to uh, stop the, uh, the borrowing. Uh, the banks will not lend us any money. So basically it's game over for us. We have to file for chapter 11 or something. Yeah. Got to figure out something else to do with our lives, basically. Got it. So you reminded me of something, and I want to ask you what you what you think of this because uh, I have a friend of mine. Uh, he is like uh, in his sixties, uh, old school gambler, very successful, very successful. And usually, when I you know I I do my my poker classes, one of the first things that I ask people uh, is the following question: uh, You know, if somebody offered you, you know, uh, two hundred dollars uh, on a coin flip, but you would only have to risk, uh, let's say. A uh, hundred, meaning you know that they were giving you basically two to one on a on a fair coin flip, right? And um, so, uh, so if you lose the coin flip, you uh, you lose a hundred dollars. If you win the coin flip, they pay you three hundred, so you win two hundred dollars. Would you take the coin flip? And then most people will say yes. But then I ask the following question: If somebody gave you two to one on your entire net worth on a coin flip, would you take would you take the flip? So, uh, so I want to ask you two questions. Number one, would you take the flip on your entire net worth? Uh, no, two to one. there's no chance. No, no, no chance. Okay. And um, you want to elaborate on that first? I know that I can leverage the resources that I have to more than two to one over a specific period of time. And also that would most likely lead to an inevitable instant divorce. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great answer. That's a great answer. I love that answer. And and it's actually like um, for, for those of you who, uh, who who basically um, play tournament, you can understand that much better if you have ICM considerations, right? Not every dollar is worth, is worth the same amount, right? So as the, our first dollar, is way more valuable than our last dollar, right? I mean, there are diminishing returns when it comes to money. So I, I would agree. I would agree with you with 100%. And I actually thought that the answer is, for most people, obvious, right? Until, it seems pretty yeah, obvious, yeah. It is pretty obvious, right? That, so, so I thought, right? That's why I'm saying that, you know, there's <laughs> well, no easy I, answers. I would say, like, the the time to do it would probably be when you're young and have, you know, uh basically alternative means of like getting shelter and you can get a job and like save up the money that you just burned. But I don't, I think it's like, has to be relatively lowish risk, you know, 10 K to 20 K. Okay. Maybe if 20 K provides more utility, um, and your hourly rate like doubles because you can play like two times stakes or something like that. Whereas you can also just spend six months rebuilding that 10 K and saving it while living with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's like a worthy risk to take, right? Uh, but yeah, other than that, I think that that's that's a little crazy to me. That's very interesting, and and I need to actually uh, come back to this because I really want to ask you that when you think it's okay to uh, to 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 go bankrupt or go broke, because that's one of the questions that I, I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the second part of the of the previous question is that this friend of mine, right, mid his sixties, incredible successful gambler. Uh, he told me, you know what, Duncan, I will take the coin flip uh, uh, immediately. And the reason for that is that I have 
I know so many people in the industry. I have such an extended credit, I can rebuild my, my entire fortune. And this is a guy who's a multimillionaire, by the way. He's like very wealthy. And uh, what do you think about that? Do you think he's, he's telling the truth? Do you think he's like... I think he's to... telling the truth. Okay. I think he's bored. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, really, like, it's just like some kind of challenge, right? Where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I have to rebuild everything. I think there's some like right. romantic view of that, like in general. And maybe starting over and burning things down and being like, oh, can I do it again? Can I rebuild it? Like, maybe that's just a challenge that like a specific type of person wants to undertake um, as they get uh, a little bit later in life. I mean, I, I could definitely see the allure of it. Mm -hmm. But you don't think it's a value bet, right? I mean, you don't, you don't think he's like, oh, I'm getting two to one and that's why I'm doing it. I... Probably not, no. Probably, okay. Because the so same you... thing applies, right? Like if okay. if having 2X the liquidity is that valuable and you can also borrow right now because of your contacts, then you could just borrow to get the extra liquidity without going broke, right? So, so to me, like, it, it doesn't really make sense, but I mean, from like the romantic viewpoint, I think it, it, it probably makes some sense. Right. No, that's a, that, that's a good point. Uh, because I should probably add that, that this person is, is very uh, much driven by numbers. He's not, I wouldn't call him necessarily the romantic person, but maybe, you know, maybe that's the psychological reason why he did that. So it's, it's actually- The challenge, man. Like the, the, the challenge, right? the challenge yeah. is, you know, the, the, the mission, the quest, right? There's mm -hmm. something alluring about the quest, in my opinion. I, I would agree. I think it's actually interesting. And, and I've never thought of that before, that he could just easily be bored, right? And instinctively say, you know what? On the positive side, uh, okay, two to one. That's I'm I'm getting like great odds, and then on the negative side, it's not so bad because there's challenge. So she can use both of these things. But you mentioned something earlier that I really wanted to to come back to. Uh, you you mentioned that maybe there's right time when people can go broke. Try try to dissect this a little bit for us. I mean, you mentioned like people at the beginning when they're living with uh, the parents, and this is something also when we first met in our first uh, podcast. Um, you mentioned earlier that you know it's a uh, it really depends when somebody goes broke. So we have a the guest appearance for for the viewers. Uh, yeah, the the cat. Um, I have to make a do, do a magic trick right now for the YouTube watch. Um, yeah, so it's a good question, and I don't know the exact answer, but to me, it's probably a math problem of like how much does uh, well, I guess you would turn your like 10K into like 30K, right? Mm -hmm. If you had a 10K roll. Um, how much does that extra 20K uh, earn you based on like what doors does it open? Um, and then also like how long does it take you to rebuild the 10K? And then like figure out the math of that, right? So like essentially if it takes you say six months to save $10,000 because you're young, you have no expenses, you live with your parents, um, and you can just get a job and save money. Okay, so you're risking basically six months of that. And then on the flip side of that, if you are to basically triple up um, and you go from being able to play like one, two, where your hourly is like $30 or $25 an hour to two, five, where your hourly is like 50 or 60 an hour, you play poker about 40 hours a week. Um, so that extra, uh, that basically doubling your hourly rate um, is going to be worth, I mean, what is that? Like $1,000 a week? 
Um, so 26 weeks, that's worth like an extra $26,000. So like that, that would be the way that I would really think about it is like if getting that extra 20 K, um, ends up that I make 26,000 extra dollars over the next six months, which means this flip is, you know, effectively going to be worth like 50 K, uh, versus saving up 10 K bankroll just through working. Um, but it really, it would just be a math problem. I mean, I guess, I guess the other, the, the other alternative would be how good your credit is. And, mm -hmm. uh, if there's some kind of opportunity cost of not being able to do something in the near future that it kind of unlocks, which I don't know exactly what that might be, but just imagine, you know, that hustler live stream where everybody's just like, just sending it in every hand with, with Helmuth and the influencers, right? Like, oh, well, maybe, maybe if you like double your net worth and you're, or triple your net worth and you're able to like play in that game through a very rare opportunity and you miss out, if you don't, then okay, maybe, maybe that makes it worth it too. I, I, I'm not sure. No, this is, this is a very good point. Are there any psychological uh, considerations? Um, meaning, you know, are, are we are we factoring in the any negative impact of the potential loss that could impede the way uh, you know that, that person could perform in the future? Is it something that we should factor in? I don't think so. Okay. And so there, there's a podcast episode with Kevin Kelly on the Tim Ferriss show uh, mm -hmm. that I listened to four or five years back, and he did an experiment. I believe it was Kevin Kelly, mm -hmm. um, where when he was young, he spent a year backpacking in Europe and living in hostels and basically just spending, he, he didn't spend any money. He, he had like odd jobs in the towns that he was like staying in right. to basically earn food. And basically he wanted to see what life would be like if he went broke, mm -hmm. right? That was like an approximation of like, well, if I lost everything, this is what a right. life would be like. And after the year, he realized that it actually wasn't that bad. Right. Like that, that was his realization was like, you know, I actually had a lot of fun. This, this wasn't that bad. And that actually removed a lot of the fear of going broke from him. I believe he went on to like start Wired magazine. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that these sort of trials and tribulations, while they offer short term extreme discomfort mm -hmm. when you're young, I also think that they help build resiliency. And kind of give you a taste of like what a worst case scenario would mm -hmm. look like. And I think there's a lot of value in that. So I, I actually think that like the negative impact of going broke when you're young like that actually can be, have positive EV downstream. Mm -hmm. And incidentally for the listener, I believe that's what uh, Tim Ferriss himself calls uh, what's the worst that can happen, right? I mean, it's one of the first things that he's talking about in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, for those mm -hmm. of you who've, who've read it. And uh, it's basically worst case scenario, right? And somebody uh, tried it. Uh, a quick question for you. Do you think this is a universal property? Meaning, uh, do you think that this is something that would happen to any individual who took the same action? Or do you think that might be specific to that specific individual? I think that it's not universal. And I also think that if it filters out people from the lifestyle of poker, that's ultimately a good thing for them. Mm -hmm. because they will inevitably have to deal maybe not with something that extreme, but something similar in, in their career of like having giant losses and feeling 
really emotionally impacted. And I mean, if they can't recover mentally, if they just can't move forward, then poker is probably not the right path for them anyway. And so like, I, I think it's actually a good filter for those types of people, because I mean, there's other ways to go about making money and working your way through the world. And the reality is, is poker is just not for everybody. Mm-hmm. There are some people that just cannot handle the emotional swings of mm-hmm. the game. And Absolutely. if they get filtered out and that saves them decades of thinking that they could make a run at playing poker professionally, ultimately, I think that's a, that's a gain for them. And, and, and do you think that uh, is going broke one of the, of the best ways for them to figure it out? Or do you think there is alternative, less painful ways to figure that out? I think there's alternative ways. I don't think we need necessarily need to be uh, masochistic about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, like, you know, I tell people all the time when they're thinking about embarking on a, a poker career, right? Like in poker, like in the instance of say your significant other doesn't uh, look favorably upon the path of a professional poker player, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's a situation where humans most likely drawing dead and the reality is without that outside pressure poker is hard enough when everything's going perfectly mm-hmm. right so like you know we don't need anything extra to make us feel pain we're going to feel pain like you are going right. to feel okay. lots of pain you're going to suffer um so i don't think it's like necessary to just like have to destroy someone's bankroll and their entire net worth in order to feel that pain. It's a very natural consequence of pursuing the game. Absolutely. And, and, and you mentioned the word suffer here and I just, uh, and again, I use hyperbolis all the time, but do you make a distinction between uh, the actual act of pain and the interpretation of that pain, which can be translated into suffering? Do you make a distinction between the word pain and suffering? Do you think that there can be pain without suffering? Um, hmm, what a good question. Do I think there can be pain without suffering? I don't think so in the poker sense. I, I think that the the pain is like losing that pot. So like basically if we go back to the original question, right, of like mm-hmm. the three to one, the mm-hmm. pain would be losing the flip and your entire net worth. And then the suffering would be the rumination after that over the next six months while you're having to rebuild that that would be the suffering aspect of it and i think that as poker players at least higher level poker players there is always suffering because we play a game where it's impossible to be perfect and that inability to be perfect even when you win creates suffering even when you have a winning session because you're still going to think about how you played a set did I maximize value? Should I have made the fold on the river when I thought they were under bluffing? Um, doesn't matter whether, you know, you could, again, win five buy-ins and you're still going to suffer at the end of it. I think that that suffering is just like, I think it's one of the the catalysts to growing as a poker player, the rumination, the suffering, mm-hmm. um, just part of the game. Right. And, and, and again, I mean, of course, I guess it would depend how would we de- define those, those words. Uh, sure. Yeah. Well, and the, the pain is, um, the pain is like when you make a value bet and villain snaps and shows you like one of the better hands they have, 
right? And you recognize, holy shit, I just left a lot of money on the table. Mm -hmm. The suffering is <laughs> when, when you're thinking about that for, for the next 30 minutes or when you cash your chips out and you're thinking about it on the way home, like, fuck, I won 4K, but I should have won 8K. That's that. That's how I would define it perfectly. And uh, and the reason why I'm I'm bringing this up is because there's people like Tommy Angelo comes to mind, mm -hmm. right? Who is uh, my understanding of his work is he, he's made it his life goal to uh, accept pain uh, at the poker table and eliminate suffering as much as possible, exactly in the form you just described it. Like the idea of we want to think of the past uh, only as much as is necessary, no more than that, right? I mean, only as it can help us to improve our future decisions, but no more than that. Like, and and um, and do you think, not on an idealistic level, but at a practical level, do you think that this is possible? Do you think it's possible for people to reach a state um, of, I guess we can call it poker enlightenment to use, uh, you know, uh, Tommy Angelo's um, terms where, we think about poker and uh, only up to the point that it benefits our future actions, but no. I think it's a great ideal to strive towards. I have never met anyone in this space that has reached that ideal, no matter who they are. Like, have you ah. met anybody who came close? Um, it depends. You know, it depends on the pressure, right? I, mm -hmm. I think that they're at some level the pressure is enough to affect most anybody. So like maybe like maybe somebody that's not um, trying to find their limits that is like happy playing one, two forever. Maybe that person's going to not suffer so much, but anybody that's like really pushing to see what they're made of, to, to see how far they can go. I think that they will naturally suffer because the pressure is a natural component to the suffering. Um, so, I mean, the only times, like, there are times, yeah, like lots of times where people will reach that level of enlightenment. But when they kick up the stakes, 2x, 4x, 5x, at some point, they're going to suffer, in my opinion. Like, mm -hmm. it's just really, 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 really difficult to eliminate that aspect of it. There's nobody that I know of that, that can, can do that at, like, the highest stakes they're capable of playing. You see that what you're saying here is actually incredibly interesting because you mentioned that uh, essentially, and I'm paraphrasing that as the stakes uh, go higher, so does the probability or the actual suffering goes up as well. So would you say that in that case, going broke is is peak suffering? Um, I don't think so. Where would you find peak suffering? I mean, of course, it would depend on on the different individual. But how would you how would you envision it? Peak yes. suffering. Imagine yeah. a circle where, like, mm -hmm. the edge of it is your comfort zone, and you're mm -hmm. actively trying to push and expand that comfort zone. Peak suffering is anybody that lives at the edge of that circle. And going broke is not necessarily that. I mean, it, it could be correlated, but it's not necessarily uh, no. It's, the same it, thing. It's right. just a consequence of. Um, always kind of like living on the edge, always seeing how far you can push it, always like um, being in a, a state where you're filled with anxiety, you're, you're filled with, you can feel the pressure tangibly um, on a day in, day out basis. I think that like when you're in that state of being, um, 
and everything matters, every decision matters one way or the other, that that's going like, and, and, I, and I guess like peaks by peak suffering, I would just imagine where like the highest ratio of your time spent doing something uh, mm-hmm. and then how much you're suffering, basically like the time spent doing something with suffering um, and going broke. Actually, I think in some cases, in a lot of cases, and, and this is something I've never thought about before, but I, I think going broke in a lot of cases actually can end suffering um, in, in that sense. Talk to us a little bit more about that. Like how, how, how exactly like give us an, an, an example, because so far, uh, what what I'm hearing, and and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so sometimes going broke is is a consequence of peak suffering, but it doesn't necessarily cause it. So imagine a very high level poker player, and this mm-hmm. is like an actual story. I'll leave the names blank. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, let's, let's call them and, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> an an acquaintance of mine. It's not really Alex and Bobby. It's okay. like uh, it, it's like two of the best poker players on the planet. Okay. Bar none playing nosebleeds, right? Okay. Um, Player A is playing against player B. Yeah, we'll say Alex is playing against Bobby. um, (laughs) Since since that's, that's, I think we're contractually obligated to use those in our metaphors or our uh, stories. Um, So Alex is playing Bobby and Bobby just wants to play poker. And Bobby has, say, 50K in, in, in his account, right? And Bobby stays awake playing Alex for three days straight. And when Bobby went, has like 50K and wins, he wants to split and start a new table, right? Um, and Bobby's playing poorly, right? And Alex eventually beats Bobby and cleans him out. Mm-hmm. Bobby, because has no more money in account, has been awake three days, can now sleep. That's what I mean by somebody can go broke and it can actually end their suffering. They can remove themselves from that state of being um, and just rest, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's, again, that's a, a true story about a couple sure. of nosebleed guys where one guy just does not want to quit. He, he basically would go broke, he would bust his account out, and the other player genuinely believed that he would bust his account out so that he could just go to sleep, which there's some kind of addiction in that story. Um, but either way, I, I think that it's pretty obvious to me, at least that busting his account ended his suffering, at least for that day. Right. So, and, uh, following up on the, at least for that day, how do we, uh, how do we put short-term suffering and, and long-term suffering into the equation? And, and, and again, we may be, Getting a little bit uh, out of topic, but I, I, it is related to, to to going broke because what I'm trying to gauge is what are the consequences or uh, what does going broke tell us about our current state of the game? That's that's why I'm asking those questions, right? I mean, what is the relation to short-term suffering, long-term suffering, and what can we learn from it? I have to reject the question. Okay. Because I don't think... Any of us are smart enough to know how the short term affects long term suffering. Mm-hmm. Because okay, you're, you're not rejecting it; you're actually answering it very well. You're basically saying this is not a question we can ever be able to figure out. Right? Because the answer to yeah, mm-hmm. no, that's that's great. I think in a lot of people's lives, my life especially, 
when things are dark or have been dark, mm-hmm. oftentimes I can reflect and recognize that that was what I needed in the moment. And I'm very grateful for that experience. I think you mentioned a very good example of that, if I remember correctly. Maybe you can uh, you can remind the listener. Uh, I think it, it uh, we're talking about slot machines, and uh, you have a very interesting experience that you shared yeah, with us in yeah, the past. Like and I, that was very similar to that. Like I don't know how much you want to share with the listener. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I basically like was an idiot at 22 years old and like hit a slot jackpot because yeah. why not? While I was waiting for my my game, and then kind of had like a. a minor slot addiction for a few months and uh lost most of my bankroll um playing put putting the benjamins in the slot machine for for one pull um and i mean i think that lesson is lesser i guess than it is like a valuable lesson that i learned but i mean like black friday right black friday changed my life it changed lots of people's lives some people some people absolutely it changed for the worse mine it changed absolutely for the better um you know i had to evaluate my life and Mm -hmm. that gave me an opportunity to evaluate everything that was going on and my life dramatically changed from that day moving forward uh initially for the worst um just because of the obvious black friday reasons and very quickly for for the better for all time right and so i just think that we can't it, we, we're really bad at gauging the mm-hmm. downstream suffering from the short term because we can't see the future and we don't know what the future may entail so to me like yeah i just think it's an impossible question to answer because we don't know maybe maybe going broke is like the best thing that needs to happen to that person in that moment and it leads them to joy fulfillment happiness downstream and so like yeah, hard to know. Absolutely, and and, and what you you basically saying here? I mean, you remind me of. Uh, uh, I, I I have to admit, uh, I need to give a little bit of introduction to what I'm going to say next. I don't understand spirituality very well myself, so this is something that I'm I'm trying to understand because you know, like other people, um, many people are are big on it, but I don't understand it very well myself. So I'm trying to investigate and read as much as I can. So there's a gentleman I have by the name. So of, many thoughts. Why why didn't we do a podcast on spirituality? That for that, sure. that would be a great one. Absolutely. I'll put it down. You know what? Why well, I'm going to uh, professional here. So it's going to go ahead and make a note right now so that we don't forget. Yeah. We're going to self outsource it for my future self to see that. So spirituality. <laughs> very good. I, I added on the list. Mm-hmm. So there's a gentleman by the name of Eckhart Tolle. Uh, some people may know him. He, he wrote a book, the, the Power of Now. Uh, for some people, this is just a woohoo mambo jumbo. For some people, you know, it's one of the greatest books that we've ever written. Uh, but the, the one of the things that I found fascinating, I don't know if it's true or not, but he's basically um, describing in the book how he um, reached absolute rock bottom before he got what he would consider enlightenment. Um, Again, too too many big words. I mean, we need to define all those things. But basically, the the gist of it is the following. He came into the verge of basically taking his own life. And then um, after he reached that point, uh, that super dark point in his life, he was like around 29 at the time, I believe. Um, he basically came to a realization. The realization is relevant at, the, at this point. I'm not going to mention it, but he came to a certain realization that caused him to um, follow this super dark situation with extreme euphoria. So to your point, who knows what can actually trigger and stop suffering? Um, we, we never know. Like, you know, that that uh, those suicidal thoughts and 
and and I might as well since I mentioned it, what what he says in in, in the book is that um, he he said to himself, you know, I can no longer live with myself, right? That's what the, the thought that he he asked himself, and then he realized, well, who is I, and who is myself? Like, am I two people? Like that yeah. was his big realization, yeah, it, it, which a lot of people understand. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they they understand that intuitively, right? Like, In, intuitive, right? And that, that was a big epiphany for him because he realized that there's a difference between uh, the I and and himself, and he can distance one from the other. And well, uh, anyway, it's, the very it, easy way to think about it for the listener is, you know, you, you say like my hand hurts, mm-hmm. like my hand, um, and so who's the me? in that statement, mm-hmm. like who's the me and, you know, cut your hand off and bury it out in the desert. Is it still your hand? Right. Like, and then again, like who's the me in this context, right? My hand hurts, which means you're something like outside of your hand effectively. It's what you're saying. Um, in philosophy, they call that Theseus sheep. Exactly. You, you have the sheep of Theseus and, uh, you remove one part and you replace one part, and then you replace another part. Eventually, you replace yeah, all yeah. those parts. Is it still right? Right, right. Yeah, it, it's it's like um, the 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 ship of Theseus is basically um, the famous uh, ship of Theseus in Greece. Uh, Greek mythology um, is on display at a museum, and the wood rots out over time, and you have to replace a plank. And then mm-hmm. after a thousand years, every wood every plank in the whole ship has been replaced. So like at what is it still the ship of Theseus because none of the planks are original. And at what point did it change from um, the, the ship of Theseus to something else entirely? Right. That, I think that's the the thought um, problem there. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's an excellent question, which we maybe we can add that to, uh, to a future discussion sure. as well. Like Why not? Look- <laughs> yeah. Using this for like topic uh, discovery, topic discovery. But back to the to the to the original question, right? I mean, and and to your point. Uh, so the the point that you made, the the last point that you made, very important, is that who knows what dark moment or dark thought can actually be a trigger uh, to um, end our suffering. Which which brings me to my next question. So it is a very complicated thing. How does uh, let's say a poker player or an amateur intermediate player or a um experienced player should think of um of going broke uh since it's 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 such a complicated such a complicated subject and how should they uh, decide where where they fall on that spectrum if you know going broke can be helpful uh, or not and if they cannot predict that if they cannot predict that um how should they approach the entire concept the entire risk of potentially going broke and how should they decide whether to avoid it or not what are some inner thoughts they should ask themselves and some practical heuristics they can come up with so that they decide how to live with that inevitable danger that may show up at some point yeah so long-time listeners of the podcast will um probably be able to predict what i'm going to say and that is if you can rebuild it like is this rebuildable in a short period of time if it is then it's your bankroll is doesn't need to be protected as much right you can replace a thousand dollars most likely um in a short shortish amount of time 
it's much more difficult to replace $100,000 or half a million or a million. So basically the bigger your bankroll is, the more protective you need to be of it and the more pain it's going to be for you to go broke. And the smaller your bankroll is, the less protective you need to be of it and the less pain you feel with going broke. Because again, it's it's a very replaceable thing. Um, and that's sort of like how I would frame things and how I think about things. I, I know that like lots of people on the listeners of the podcast, lots of people in the village want to go through the whole poker. Um, they they want to go the way that like people on message boards and like people say like through the micros all the way up. And that to me has always been like the most, the just the most miserable thought of my existence. Like you, you don't need to earn your way up. You don't need to earn beat five and L so you can beat 10 and L so you can beat 25. So you can beat 50. That to me has just always been the silliest notion. Um, and actually coach shoe, uh, in the, the village CPG private coach shoe, he made his way up from the micros. Like he went through all of the stakes mm-hmm. one by mm-hmm. one and is the first to say, that it was just a colossal waste of time. And like, why on earth did he think that he needed to do that? So, I mean, Mm -hmm. to me, it's like study, learn, grow, buy courses, get coaching, whatever it is. Like you can make a a larger investment. Um, Say you you get coaching for like 200 bucks and your bankroll is a thousand. That's 20% of your bankroll, right? Mm -hmm. I think that like, that's probably okay because you can replace that 200. Right now, if you have a hundred thousand dollar bankroll and you get a coaching session for twenty thousand dollars, that may may be worse because <laughs> it's a mm-hmm. lot more difficult to replace that twenty thousand. So, like, just think of it in those terms of like, what do I lose? What's the downside? You know, the the whole story of Kevin Kelly. Like, what is going broke look like in, in the context of your life? And if it's like, oh, it's just like two years ago um, when I lived with my mom and I was going to high school, then maybe that's not significant downside because life probably wouldn't be so bad in that case. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, so uh, to to summarize, is it replaceable, right? I mean, that's the important question, the heuristic question people should ask themselves. Is it replaceable? Which which actually naturally brings us to to two more questions. You know, we're never going to run out of questions because these are interesting things. So one question I have is, what um, inquiries, self-inquiries people have to make to themselves to decide whether something is replaceable or not, right? I mean, what are some important things? And uh, you already alluded to that earlier, uh, some, for example, mathematical calculations. Uh, and in particular, should people also have uh, psychological considerations, which was something that I asked you earlier? And mm-hmm. what are, if not, what are some questions? And then I'll ask you the second question later. What are some things that they need to ask themselves what is the uh you know checklist to decide if something is replaceable or not practically speaking yeah i mean can you get a job what skill set do you have do you mm-hmm. have liquidity outside of your own bankroll in the mm-hmm. form of your network um what sort of education do you have what like what sort of relationships do you have in the in the workforce that you could leverage uh you know mike mcd he he took a job with kanish after he went broke right so that was he mined his network and right. leveraged that so that he could he could get a gig after he lost his three stacks of high society. Um, so that that to me is like if you're writing a checklist down, it's like really I I think I'm a big fan of like the visual visualization process and just visualizing your life if you were to go broke. What would it look like? 
um, and just write that out and think about that. And then you can see the downside just through that simple exercise. Um, and in some cases, the downside is not so bad. And mm -hmm. so like, okay, so if the downside's not so bad, then maybe the risk is okay. Mm -hmm. Very good. And, and I would only add to that as you know, if you try to find what, how your life would, would look like, you can try to also incorporate emotional state because that could potentially be, uh, it, it's a form of, of cost, right? I mean, depending sure. on, yeah, what the, the, the person is. Sure. Excellent. I, I think too, like there's a time before you had your bankroll, right? Mm -hmm. That's probably a, a good barometer to how your life would be if you went broke because- That's a good that, heuristic, that's very good. exactly back to that, right? Absolutely. No, this is this is excellent. And I guess this, the second natural question uh, to, is it replaceable is, so- what would you suggest people consider with if the answer is negative? No, this is not replaceable. So how do they position themselves uh, to protect, essentially to protect them from themselves, from you know losing that irreplaceable amount, whatever that may be? Um, I mean, it depends on what you want to do, right? Like what, what, what's the aim, what's the risk that, or the opportunity that you, you might be taking that would jeopardize? So Same is it typical. is is it dependent on what you want to do? Like does that like let's say that we have decided for specific purposes that amount is irreplaceable. So sure. uh, so let's say that we we come to the conclusion just to simplify the example that we don't want to we don't want to lose that whatever that is x amount because all hell is going to break loose. That's yeah. that's our so what would be the next step to uh, you know avoid losing that? Like how can we more math? I know this is a philosophical podcast, but to me, math is math is king here, right? Like, look at no, the, I mean, like, okay, sorry, go I ahead. Mean, if you're going to protect your bankroll, then like, look at the downside, look at the risk of ruin, see what stakes you can play, and then play those stakes if, if it's irreplaceable, right? Other ways or things that you could do is to offset the risk is sell action. Um, look at your network and, and try to minimize the risk or reduce the risk. What what I'm getting with this, and I, I think I'm not I'm not specific enough. What I'm getting with this is that you know there. Um, let, let, let's give an amount. Let's say that for some people, you know, risking a hundred thousand dollars or whatever, like just just to give an amount, it doesn't really matter because you mentioned hundred thousand dollars earlier. Sure. So let's say that somebody decides I don't want to risk a hundred thousand dollars, but they're in a situation. It may be tempting. They're sitting down at a table. They so happen to have that that amount in you know the casino in chips in or whatever reason. How do they protect? That, that's what I was getting at. Like, you know, how, you know, what are some rules they can put in place other than just don't do it? Because, yeah, yeah. Again, so, yeah. So, um, just take a moment mm -hmm. and walk to the bathroom and punch yourself right in the face <laughs> and don't sit the it. fuck down. Like, that's, 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 that's what you do. You, you just don't do it. I mean, whatever that thing is that you're tempted to do that could cause you to bust an irreplaceable bankroll, don't fucking do it. That's that's very good. So so in the hypothetical scenario where that person is willing to risk, let's say ten thousand, but not hundred thousand, but they know that if they sit at the table, there might be a chance to risk a hundred thousand. Would you say that they shouldn't sit at the table at all? Absolutely, they should not sit at the table because oh. I've seen how that story ends. It always ends the same way. Go to the casino pit with a degenerate who has like twenty k on them, and they go here, hold my money only. Give me a thousand. Don't give me any money, no matter what I say. Always ends the same way with me saying, fuck you, take your money. 
That, that's how it always ends because they just will not let up after that thousand is gone. Um, so to me, like that's just setting yourself up to get destroyed. And so like, just, I, I wouldn't do it. I, I think that's, that risk is just intolerable. I, I think this is excellent. I think this is a very good advice that sometimes we gotta, even if we lose a little bit of an opportunity, sometimes when there is risk, and again, I'm paraphrasing what you're saying. I'm trying to, to generalize it into an actionable suggestion. Uh, even when there's opportunity uh, preserving, uh, presenting itself, when the risk and the important risk is really adjacent to that opportunity, maybe it's okay to forego the opportunity as well. Like know if your humanity. Yeah, you're exactly. a human being and know how human beings operate. In my experience, maybe I just have like more annoying friends than most people. <laughs> who are like well-intentioned in the moment, but like when that thousand is gone and they want to keep going, they're just so annoying that like, I, it just like is intolerable to be around them for like hours and hours and hours. Right. And it's just like, it always ends up with me going here, lose your money if you want, uh, whatever like that, that. So yeah, just uh, understand that you're a human being and you lose that 10 K and that 10 K matters to you and you have a hundred well, guess what's going to happen? It's like gambler's fallacy, right? Mm -hmm. 10 more. Let's go. Oh, 20? Nope. 30, 40, 50? Then it's all gone. Uh, I mean, seeing the story. Bit. Yeah, just see, seeing the story play out too many times, I, I know the ending. Absolutely. No, th I think this is, this is an excellent advice. And, and you and I ag agree on that uh, 100%. Um, I guess, you know, we can't really talk about going broke without really talking about uh, one of the famous... Uh, Doyle Branson quotes, right? Uh, I think I mentioned that in the in the very first podcast. I, I just I, I like that 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 quote because we can talk so much about it. He says that uh, no uh, gambler is a true gambler unless they go broke once, at least once in their lives, right? Of course, Doyle Branson lived in different times, and but he's also incredibly experienced and essentially says that any professional poker player has gone broke at least once in their life. First of all. Uh, do you agree? And when I say all, let's replace that with almost all, right? Because again, we don't have to be absolute, but would you agree with that statement? I would and say, do you have any thoughts? Why is it so romantic to see yourself as a professional gambler? I mean, that's, that's my initial reaction to that quote is like mm -hmm. all, all true, true professional gamblers go broke at least once in their career. I mean, I maybe I don't think he, like uh, that. May I may be losing something in my paraphrasing here. I don't think he mentioned it as uh, as a uh, to romanticize gamblers. Uh, he most of I like, think it is though, right? He's so? saying it's a badge of honor. Okay, okay, you think it's a badge of honor? Okay, yeah, it's like a battle scar, right? It's a war wound that you know the, the gamblers convention. They get together once a year and everybody talks about the time that they went broke and mm -hmm. everybody drinks a beer and laughs and has a good time. And I would just say, like, why? Why is that necessary? Again, there's enough suffering in this game without <laughs> forcing yourself to go broke. So, like, that just seems unnecessary, to, in my opinion. Absolutely. And for those people who are risk averse, uh, again, like being a poker player, being risk averse, not necessarily... Um, well, very compatible, but do you, sorry, go ahead. No, no, just to, to follow up on that, like, yeah, there's a book that's one of my favorite books. I try to read it every three to four years, Tuesdays with Maury, mm -hmm. um, about Maury Schwartz. He's being interviewed by Mitch Album, 
um, and he's in stage uh, Lou Gehrig's disease. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about end of life. And Maury, there, there's a story told about Maury where everybody's in the gym. It's a basketball game and it's home team. So Maury's a, a college professor and their team, the, the fans are shouting, we're number one, we're number one. And Maury stands up and says, what's wrong with being number two? You know, and that, that sort of reminds yeah, me of yeah. that Doyle quote, right? Like right. what's wrong with, you know, not having that scar, <laughs> nothing, right. In my opinion, there's nothing wrong with it. Absolutely. And someone may say you even, you know, have the benefits of never being broke. Right. I mean, you actually have the money to put it in good use, which, which brings me to, I guess, to, to my last question, which is, uh, is it possible? And by possible, I mean, is it reasonably likely for a professional poker player to structure their lives in such a way uh, where if they don't want to, they never have to go broke once in their lives. Sure. Why not? I mean, you can play the micros and get a job and never go broke. Like, <laughs> Okay. Is there a non-condescending <laughs> way? A lot of it hinges on, uh, <laughs> well, you said, you know, you, that, that's the answer, right? Like you, you, you can easily. Right. Um, no, no, no. You're asking philosophically. I'm asking, yeah, no, you're, I love the answer. I'll just say so, practically. Yeah, yeah practically. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think that always having a network is exceptionally underrated in this space. Mm. Relationships matter in, in the real world. Relationships are paramount, you know, uh, mentioning Tim Ferriss twice in the same mm-hmm. episode, yeah. but you know, you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And so like mm-hmm. networking, um, and just putting yourself in a position to where like, okay, like if in a worst case scenario, my risk of ruin is like 3%, if that hits, what's my out after that? You know, I'm going to hit up Kanish and go take the truck and deliver stuff um, until I'm back in action. So like there are ways to effectively reduce your risk of ruin down to 0%. And the primary way is through networking and connections and just always, 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 always doing the best possible job you can to progress, improve, learn, grow, hunger for knowledge, um, try to execute at a higher level, try to perform at a higher level, um, find mentors, just all, all those little things that when people see the links that you go to, to be a pro, they're happy to invest in you. They're happy to be able to provide you with an opportunity because they know it's going to benefit them um, in the same way that it benefits you. So like that would, that, that to me is the, the best way to reduce your risk of ruin, um, down to effectively zero is by just doing everything in your power to be the best version of yourself and building your networks. Because, you know, like there's uh, if something were to happen to me, I could make one phone call and mm-hmm. play probably whatever stakes I wanted to play. And, and like, that's a very comforting thought. That, that sounds a lot like operating a business, by the way, like the way you're talking about the, the idea of uh, of networking and of having other people helping you in difficult situations and the way of uh, uh, creating the mathematical formulas you were talking about. Like, you know, what is the risk reward? That sounds a lot like operating a business. So The, the truth is, is risk of ruin is probably never zero. That's right. Because 
you know, you have a loved one that in the U.S. with the healthcare system, they get sick, they get cancer, they have medical bills that pile up, and you're effectively broke through nothing that was foreseeable and nothing mm-hmm. that was either of you's fault. But the reality is that happened. You may not have ever had a losing year of poker in your entire right. life and you just went broke, right? What's the solution there, right? Like how, how do you still generate money? And the solution is you have to look outside of you know yourself and talk to somebody else who, who is in a position to, to be of assistance through that really difficult time. I think this is an incredibly important point for the listener, right? I mean, so risk is not eliminatable. It's only mitigatable, right? I mean, we can only mitigate the risk. We cannot eliminate it. And it's a question. And to be fair, when we're talking about going broke, we're trying to frame it under, you know, is there a way to potentially limit uh, exposure? And, and you already gave a lot of great heuristics, right? I mean, uh, sacrificing a, an opportunity to avoid a certain risk. Ask yourself, is it replaceable? These are important questions that people can ask. Uh, can ask themselves. Yeah, um, and the networking is just a redundancy, right? It's just oh, no. it's just a redundancy to protect you. A failsafe, which is right. very good, very good though. Like it can be in, in, incredibly helpful. And it doesn't and, even have it doesn't have to be like uh, manipulative or you know what I mean. No, no, it's no, like no, 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 it, it could just be like your best friend that you play poker with all the time that like knows you and trusts you, and like something happens, and then they're there, right? They're they're like cool. a there to help, which again, it's mutually beneficial. So it's like, reciprocal, no, right? Yeah. Nobody's getting like taken advantage of in the situation. Absolutely. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. So, um, so, so some closing thoughts about like, you know, to, to put it, to put it everything, everything together, right? I mean, to, to summarize a little bit. So um, how should, uh, and, and that's going to be some of the things that you already said, but uh, to summarize, how should people in general uh, think of the of the concept of of going broke. Uh, should they spend any time at all uh, thinking about it? And uh, and any other other thoughts that you didn't get an opportunity to share? Um, I think I've shared all the thoughts that that I've had. I how should people think about going broke? I mean, I think that they should just think of it as an event mm-hmm. that is an event that it's not the end of the world. It's not life crashing down. It's just something that happened. And then after that happens, it's a catalyst for something else to happen. And so like understanding what happens when you go, what happens after you go broke, I think um, can can remove a lot of the fear out of the act of going broke because then you're like, oh, I I know. I know what's going to happen in this instance. And so, okay, so it happened. You just take the next step. Otherwise, you're condemned to play micros for the rest of your life. Yeah, and (laughs) that's not a fate that I would wish on any listener of the podcast or any human on the face of the planet, to be honest. (laughs) Not even your own enemies. No, that's that's too painful for even my own enemies. Get out of micros, guys. What what are you doing? I'd rather be dead than play micros. (laughs) It's not even a question. I would, yeah. I, I would rather, uh, I can't even, unspeakable thing. Death would be uh, Relief. just paradise <laughs> compared to being stuck in the micros. Excellent. I love it. No, this is this is great stuff, man. And uh, and uh, I'm sure like people uh, will have stories uh, to share, which I would really like to hear from people. Like, tell us, you know, have you ever gone broke? This is a question I always wanted to ask on Twitter, but I feel a little bit, you know, I don't want to, you know, some some people are sensitive about that stuff, and uh, 
uh, it might be a little bit of too personal. People may not want to share. But if you have a, a, a you know, a story you want to share with us, what would be like a good place where people can come and share like they're, they're going Probably broke stories? Great, greatnessvillage.com and the Philosophical Friday channel in, within Greatness Village that you join automatically, by the way. And you can tag at Duncan or at Coach Brad in that channel um, in Greatness Village on Slack. And we will see it. And, uh, you know, if we, we really like the, the question, we may answer with like 3,000 words. So, yeah, <laughs> with, with assist. You're very generous with the, the pronoun usage there of we. Um. <laughs> no, we're, we're a team. And, and, and also, um, how do people, because we've never mentioned that before, right? Just for, for the less uh, tech savvy people, people who've never used uh, Slack before. So what is, um, how do people uh, sign up for the, the Greatness Village, like in broad strokes? Yeah, I mean, you just click the button and then you say sign up through Google and you have a Gmail account. And if you don't have a Gmail account and you're working on like Hotmail, um, you know, tweet at Ask the Math Doctor on Twitter for advice. Don't Please don't tweet <laughs> me. Uh, <laughs> customer support, troubleshooting, that is, that is not an area I am equipped for. My brain explodes very quickly. Uh, me, me neither. But uh, for what it's worth, uh, I welcome, you know, everybody's tweets. So again, at CPG uh, podcast and at ask the math uh, DR. Uh, and also, uh, you can you can find us on, on YouTube. We both have uh, YouTube. And if you want to yep. see footage How? of. Uh, yeah, give them give them your your YouTube channel. Yeah, why, why Alex uh, beats uh, Bobby, uh, B-O-B-B-I-A. <laughs> I have to say that every time. Now you made me self-conscious about <laughs> So, yeah, if you want to see, like, the, the cable from, uh, like, I look like a cyborg today. So um, Good luck then... never finding Duncan's YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Very much. This is an excellent search engine optimization. They mm. use me as an example, yeah. uh, of example to avoid, right? So... Uh, dude, it's been a pleasure as always. Yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, and, uh, uh, I'll, I'll see you next week after my experience playing the multi-table tournament and telling you how terrible it was and why I'll never do it again until the next time. Until the next time. I forget exactly. about the suffering. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So this is the not rock bottom event. Okay. So we have a, a while until we hit the rock bottom. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Have, Thank have you, everybody, for listening. Likewise, Bye. man. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.